everything that's yours, you've, you've offered to us, you've given to us. We want to walk. We want to walk in victory today. So we, we choose you again. All over again, we say yes. We say yes to who you are and to yes to everything that you offer us. We love you, God. We trust you. We know you're for us. In Jesus' name, amen, amen, amen. Before you sit down, we want to receive our offering. We have an offertory prayer that we're going to pray this morning. seek me out and bring me home to your fold again. Deal favorably with me according to thy good pleasure till I may dwell in your house all the days of my life and praise you forever and ever with them that are there. Amen. Amen. Alright, alright. You may be seated. You can give several different ways. You can text to give. Uh, you can give through the Riverstone app. You can uh, drop checks or cash in the baskets on your way out, or you can mail checks uh, to our post office box. A lot of different ways to do that. So, hey, guess what? Two more babies. <laughs> Two more babies. So let me, let me get the other babies up here. So, you know, in the Bible, there's a parable where some people get to work early and some people come to work late and they get the same reward. So we're just going to be biblical here. Come on up. You guys, we want your families up here. And then if you have like parents and grandparents and uh, cell groups, whatever, they can stand down here. So y'all come on up too, princes. Awesome. Woo-hoo. All right. We love babies. We love babies. Jesus loves babies. And uh, he always celebrated the babies, always invited the children to come. And uh, sometimes the disciples didn't quite know what to do with the children, but Jesus always knew what to do with the children. So we're praying that we will follow after Jesus, not the disciples. How about that? All right, so we're going to ask you a couple of questions. And we're going to, after you've answered the questions, we're going to let each father pray. Uh, Michael, uh, Mike Smith will hold the microphone for you, and you can pray a prayer of dedication for your child and your family, and then the whole congregation is going to pray a prayer of blessing for you. Uh, but just know that uh, we're excited for you, we're excited for your family, and uh, we believe God has incredible things in store for you, all right? So first of all, do you recognize that your child, the child that you're holding today, is a gift to you from God? Will you do everything you can to lead your child in such a way that he or she will have every opportunity to say yes to Jesus and make uh, faith in Jesus their own? And will you live your life before your children, live your faith before your children in such a way that they don't have to question where you stand with God, but they will know, it will be evident, they'll be able to see it and touch it and feel it. Dear Lord, we just thank you for our family. We thank you for our newest addition, Emma Faith. And Lord, we just pray, Lord, that you will just thank you for giving Morgan and I the opportunity just to be her parents. Lord God, we just pray your supernatural provision and blessing 
for Emma as she grows and develops into the young, young lady you've, you've created her to be. I just pray for wisdom for Morgan and I so that we will, will be a representative of Christ to her so that she will have no doubt what it means to be a follower of Christ. Lord, we just thank you that Emma has a future in your word, based on your word. And we just th- pray, Lord, that that future, that that plan will, will come, come about, Lord, as she grows and develops in you. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Amen. God, I just thank you for Noah. I thank you for the man that you are going to grow him into. God, we just pray for faith, for wisdom, for purpose, God. We pray that you will bless him to choose his friends wisely, that you will um, make him love your word and love your presence and uh, just to love you, God, with all of his heart. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you, Lord. Amen. Amen. Bless you, Lord. Amen. Awesome. We just ask all of you to extend your hands up towards these families as we pray for them. Lord Jesus, we, uh, we thank you for these families and we thank you for this family. And, and we commit to you uh, that we also will live our lives before these children in such a way that they won't have to question our faith. Uh, they'll be able to see you in us. And our prayer is that uh, with every day that passes, uh, these uh, children, this, this little boy and this little girl will find themselves falling more and more deeply in love with Jesus and that they would know all the days of their life that they are loved by him, uh, that they are loved by their parents, and they're loved by their church. In Jesus' name, amen. I think he said amen to that. Awesome. All right. Good deal. Fantastic. So a couple things. Uh, uh, number one, I uh, just want to remind you, we, we, a few weeks back we sent out a, an email to everyone uh, asking that you uh, pray about uh, just where God would have you plug in at Riverstone as we move forward. And, I, you know, this has been an interesting six months, and, and uh, I, we believe that God has some incredible things in store for us, and we want you to be a part of it. Uh, we really do. We don't want uh, any, anybody here to feel like a spectator. We want you to have an opportunity to really step in and use the gifts that God has given you. Uh, anybody who, who knows me, if you, if you know me very well at all, you, you know that uh, one thing that has been consistent uh, about my life uh, is that I, I do pray. My wife will tell you, my kids grew up in my house. Uh, it's not just something I talk about. It's not something that I ask other people to do. Uh, it's, it is my life. And uh, over the last probably three months, I have prayed more than any time in my life. And I believe that God is, is shaping something here. And... Uh, uh, I, I can't wait to see it. I really can't. I, I believe that God is taking us into a new place. Actually, I, I believe he's taking us into the place that, that we were put here for. 
And uh, I want you to be a part of it. I really do. I don't want you to miss it. And so I pray that you would prayerfully uh, ask the Lord, where, where should I invest? Where should I plug in? How should I commit? Uh, because um, God, is, God is up to something, and it's not normal. So I encourage you to do that and then begin to uh, respond and send those um, surveys back to us uh, during the month of November um, so that we uh, can get busy moving forward. Okay? I appreciate you doing that. Uh, i got a couple of other things um, that I want to mention. Uh, I, I want to I talk for just a second about the election. It's coming up Tuesday. Um, many of you have already voted. Uh, my wife and I have already voted. And um, if you haven't voted, uh, I hope you will. Uh, it's important that you vote. And uh, I would never tell you who to vote for. But, but I do want to mention some things that I think are important. Uh, some things that if you haven't thought about, you need to think about uh, before you vote. Uh, I'm just going to mention four things. Um, number one, uh, and, and all of these are, uh, believe it or not, uh, presidential campaign is not a personality contest. It's really not. Uh, if, if, if it was a personality contest, I would be really confused. I, would, I wouldn't know what to do. Um, <laughs> but it's not a personality contest. Uh, we, we vote based on policies. And we vote based on the policies that most line up with the biblical perspective. Now, the truth is that neither party completely lines up with a biblical perspective. You can find things wrong with both because they're made up of human beings. Uh, but there's, there are four things that are really important to me and, and that I think if you think about them might, might be important to you. Number, number one is, is where does a party, not, not necessarily just a person, but where does a party stand when it comes to abortion? Uh, yeah, it, this is a, it's a big deal. It, it's a big deal, y'all. It's a big deal. And if, if you don't think it's a big deal, take some time to read about it and research it. it it's a big deal. Uh, second thing that, that is important to me is where does a party stand when it comes to Israel? Uh, I don't know if you all know this, but Jesus was a Jew. <laughs> and, uh, and if you read the Bible, it's not just the Old Testament, the Old Testament and New Testament. Uh, we as the people of God are called to position ourselves towards Israel and pray for them, pray for Israel and actually to be pro-Israel. And so that's something you should research before you vote. You should ask yourself, where, where do these parties stand when it comes to support of Israel? A third thing is the family. Uh, the traditional family as, as the Bible defines family. Uh, marriage, one man, one woman, and their children. So... Um, you need to think about that. And you need to look at what do the different parties, how do they define the family, uh, how do they, uh, what are they promoting? And then the fourth for me is religious freedom. What does a party believe about religious freedom? Are, are they, you know, do they, do they believe that uh, the government should allow uh, the church to be free 
or do they believe that the government's job is to control and contain the church? So those are just some things that you, you might want to think about, pray about, research um, before you vote. And so again, I'm not going to tell you who to vote for, uh, but those are things that are important. This is, again, it's not a personality contest. Uh, it is a policy decision. Uh, you're not going to find one party that perfectly lines up with biblical theology. Uh, but you have to ask yourself, which of the, of the parties aligns the most uh, with a biblical worldview? Okay, so there you go. All right, uh, before I preach, I want to show you uh, a quick video. So This hill taking a toll on a couple runners trying to finish those final 20 yards. Wow. Yeah, you can see what, what a tremendous show of sportsmanship as you've got an athlete who can't quite make it, and they've got a team, a, a girl from another team trying to help her to the finish line so she can finish the race. That's what, now that's what the sport is all well. about. Oh, my goodness. This is just incredible. The sportsmanship, phenomenal. As you see those final yards there. As you see Clemson and Louisville helping the Boston College runner. That's Tate and Pease. And the Boston College runner can't even lift her legs right now. She'll try to cross the finish line. What a shot right here at Lakeland Soccer Park in Cary. But you sacrifice your own position to help another athlete finish what they started. And that, that's a true sportsmanship. There you go. So before you email me, I, I do know that the girls' shorts were short. <laughs> I, I noticed there was a lot of leg in the video, and so just try to get past that and uh, under, <laughs> understand the point. So 1994, um, we were living in Athens, and we had a friend named Bill Maloney, and, and Bill had a band called Vigilantes of Love. Some of you may have heard of them. I think they're still around, actually. And one of the big hits that they released in 1994, uh, they had a record called Welcome to Struggleville. Yeah, welcome. They, did, they were just, you know, 26 years too early. But I, I had not thought about that song since 1994, maybe early 1995, until the last six months. And I've thought about that song so many times. Uh, welcome to Struggleville. You can, you can uh, look it up on YouTube. It's pretty accurate. Uh, life always involves struggle. It does. Life always involves struggle. We, we all want to have life that, that's easy and peaceful and smooth, but, but life always involves struggle. But there are times and seasons when it seems like our mailing address is 666 Struggleville Lane. And that's just what it seemed like for the last several months. You know, it's just been hard. And, uh, in the video that we just watched, you saw people stumbling uh, and falling and then heroic people stopping to help them, uh, sacrificing their own race to help someone else finish uh, theirs. And, and this truly should be a picture of the church because all of us from time to time will fall. And, and as a church, we should be the people who are willing to stop and go back and help people and pick people up and help them finish what they started. But a lot of times, it seems that the church looks more like a horse race 
You know what happens you know, when a horse falls, they just shoot him. And unfortunately, a lot of times when someone in, our, in a church falls, rather than helping them up, we just kind of push them to the side. God has gifted us uh, through the Holy Spirit to be encouragers. And we're all called to be the ones who go back and pick up the fallen, all of us. Now, some are more gifted in that way than others, uh, but we're all called to participate in the picking up of the fallen. Now, not everyone responds to being helped in the same way. You know that, right? Uh, Some of you have a really hard time being helped. I have a hard time being helped. It's almost impossible for certain members that shall remain unnamed in my family to be helped because they want to be the helper. And that's okay, but all of us are going to have times when we need to be helped. And and not everyone responds uh, the same way to being helped. Uh, Some people are hard-hearted. That sounds kind of harsh, doesn't it? Uh, But some people are hard-hearted, and and what they say is, I'm not going to run anymore. When they fall, when they're hurt, when they're injured or wounded, what they say is, I'm I'm not going to run anymore. I I never wanted to be in this dumb race to begin with. And they just check out. And we'll call them the hard-hearted. And then some people are faint-hearted. And the faint-hearted says, I want to, but I'm afraid. What, What if I fall again? I want to get up, I want to run, I want to finish the race, but, but what if I fall again? I'm just afraid. And then there's the brokenhearted, and the brokenhearted would say, I can't. The brokenhearted is the one who would say, I've fallen and I can't get up. The brokenhearted says, I can't, I'm hurt, and they really are. First uh, Thessalonians 5.14 gives us instructions on how to minister encouragement and mercy to each of these groups, and we're going to take a look at that in a minute. Uh, But let me just say that the hard-hearted we will call the won't-dos, okay? The faint-hearted we'll call the want-tos, and the broken-hearted we will call the can't-dos, okay? Got that? All right, let's read 1 Thessalonians 5, 14 and 15. And we urge you, brothers and sisters, warn those who are idle and disruptive, encourage the disheartened, help the weak, be patient with everyone. Make sure that nobody pays back wrong for wrong, but always strive to do what is good for each other and for everyone else. Now let's pray. Jesus, I pray that you would speak, that you would teach us today and encourage us Uh, so that we can walk out of here better than we came in. And so we have a better understanding of of how uh, to help each other and encourage each other and and pick each other up when we fall. In Jesus' name, amen. Paul says that we are to admonish the idle. Now, the idle, uh, this would be in the group of the hard-hearted And and the word here carries the idea of someone who is undisciplined, irresponsible, or disorderly. And to admonish someone means to instruct with a bite. 
It's not necessarily a sugar-coated uh, correction. It's, it's very clear. Now, it's not harsh and offensive, but it is clear and understandable. And that's how you deal uh, with those that are hard-hearted. They're the ones who say, you know what? I got hurt, and I'm just never going to trust anybody ever again. I'm not going to run this race anymore. I'm out of here. And those people sometimes need to be corrected, as Paul would say, with a bite. Uh, in Scripture, you'll see examples of this. Samuel admonished Saul. Paul actually admonished Peter. Uh, Nathan admonished David. So those are examples of, of people, good people, godly people, who got a little bit off track, and they had friends who cared enough about them to come in and speak the truth to them in a way that was corrective. Uh, we all have a little bit of hardness in us, some of us more than others. Uh, we don't always want to change, right? Uh, sometimes, though, we need to be admonished. I, I don't know if you notice this or not, but COVID has done something to us. Fuses are extremely short. People get angry more easily than ever. People get offended more easily than normal. Uh, I don't think that I have experienced or seen uh, this level of conflict among close friends any other time in my life. People are just out of sorts. And, and it seems like the, sh the fuse is this short, and it takes next to nothing to set us off. Uh, we all know people who are hard-hearted, and sometimes their hard-heartedness has come from disappointment or wo woundedness, and sometimes they've actually been hurt uh, by the church. Not, not always by the church staff, hopefully not always by the church pastor, sometimes just by the church, sometimes by the people uh, that, that they depend on and look to, uh, to love them the best. They're not planning uh, to get back up. A lot of people who have been wounded by the church or by people in the church, they, they check out. They leave church uh, and just decide, you know what? I'm not going back. I'm not going to run this race anymore. They're done. They're done. And it would be easy for us to just say, well, it's their choice. It would even be easy for us to say, you know what, it's their loss. But our responsibility as the people of God is different. Our responsibility as the people of God is to go back and get them. Our responsibility is to pray for them, to go back and get them, to, to pick them up, and not to be afraid of their hurt, and not to be afraid of being hurt. James 5, 19 says, if one of you should wander from the truth, and someone should bring him back, remember this, whoever turns a sinner from the error of his way will save him from death and cover over a multitude of sins. 
Don't you want to be a part of that? Don't you want to be a part of something like that? Yeah, me too. You could be the one that God wants to use to restore some of those hard-hearted who have said, not going to run. I'm done running, not going to run anymore. The second group are the faint-hearted, and and Paul says that we are to encourage the faint-hearted. You'll remember we call these people the want-tos, the faint-hearted in Thessalonica were probably those who were being persecuted. They were being persecuted because of their faith, and some of their friends most likely had been killed. And and that had caused them uh, to shrink back and to think, maybe I don't want to run this race. I I really want to run this race, but I'm afraid of running this race. They were very discouraged. They wanted to continue, but they're afraid. And there's a part of me Sometimes it's faint-hearted. It really is. I, I don't know about y'all. Maybe, maybe there's some of you out there too that there's a part of you that sometimes is faint-hearted. There, there are times when it gets to be, it feels to me like it's, it's too much. There are times, believe it or not, when uh, the pain and the hurt makes me wish that uh, I sold shoes for a living. Or, or dug ditches, or maybe drove a truck, you know, something other than being on the front lines of people's lives in conflict and turmoil, because that's really what being, not just being a pastor, but being a part of the church, is what we're called to be, is to be right there in the middle of the mess, because we're a part of the solution. We're not supposed to be a part of the problem, but we are supposed to be a part of the solution, and you can't be a part of the solution without being in the mess. You can't stand on the outside of the mess and call to people. You have to go and and get in it. And there are times when I feel myself saying, "Ah, I don't know. Sometimes we want to, but we're afraid. We're afraid. And when you're afraid, Tell somebody. When you're afraid, tell somebody. You're not supposed to do this life alone. I had a conversation with a neighbor recently, and this is a man who lives across the street from me, great guy, loves Jesus. And, and in the last year, he's been through a bout with cancer, and he had a heart attack. And you know what he wanted to talk to me about? He wanted to talk to Melissa and I about what he feels like he's lost this year because he hasn't been able to be with people. He's not concerned about the cancer or the heart attack. He's concerned about the fact that he hasn't been able to be with people because he needs people. And we were created to be with each other. Genesis says it's not good to be alone. And God created us for relationship. And he wants us to be together. We need to be the kind of people who go back and pick up the fallen. We need each other. When I fall, I need you. When you fall, you need me. We have to be that kind of church. Now let me just put a plug in right here. We've been pushing a little bit on the small groups. 
We started out as a church in 1999. That's all we did. We were small groups and a worship service. That was it. And, and back then, everybody in our church was in a small group. And over the years, uh, we've kind of drifted away from that. We've always had small groups, but they haven't always been as important as they should be. And we're trying to recapture that because you need people. You need people who will care for you, who will love you, who will pray for you, who will be there when trouble comes because guess what? Trouble's coming. Well, it's here. <laughs> it's here. It's been here for six months, and it's time for it to go. But trouble, trouble comes. Now, your whole life is not trouble, but there are seasons. You know, you go through seasons, and, and, and there are times when you just need people around you to help you. And so if you're not in a small group, please get in a small group. Listen, guys, we, we don't want you in a small group so we can, you know, say 100% of our people are in a small group. Pat ourselves on the back. That's not why we want you in a small group. We want you in a small group because it will make life better for you. It will. That's why. That's why we want it. We, we care about you. We care about you, and we want life to be better for you. And, and living life with a small community of people will make your life better. So, all right. Number three, he says, carry the brokenhearted. Now this, this group we call the can't do's, and they can't because they can't. It's not that they don't want to. It's not that they're afraid, they really can't. Uh, they really have fallen and they really can't get up. They're hurt and they need to be carried for a while. And this is not just a physical thing. And we know the story of the, the men who brought their friend to Jesus who was paralyzed and he physically couldn't get up. But sometimes people can't get up emotionally. Sometimes people can't get up spiritually. Sometimes people fall spiritually and they find themselves in a place where they just can't believe anymore. And you know what we're supposed to do when we have friends who can't believe? We're supposed to believe for them. We're not supposed to chastise them and condemn them and make them feel ashamed because they've lost the ability to, to believe. We're supposed to believe for them until they can believe again. I can't tell you how many times I've had people come around me and believe for me and move me forward into a place where I could believe again. In the parable of the Good Samaritan, he didn't quit because he was afraid. He couldn't get up. He had to have help. He had to have someone pick him up and take him to a place where he could be cared for. Hebrews 12 Verses 12 and 13 says, Therefore, strengthen your feeble arms and weak knees. Make level paths for your feet so that the lame may not be disabled, but rather healed. Okay, so now it's clear, we understand uh, that we need to go back for people. We need to go back for people that are hard-hearted, and we need to go back for the people who are weak, uh, we need to go back for the can't-dos, the can 
the want-dos and the want-tos. We need to go back for all of them. But what do, you, what do you do when you get there? When you get back there and they're laying on the ground and they're hurt and they're either hurt, physically hurt and can't get up or they just don't want to get up or they're afraid to get up, well, what do you do? I'll just give you some simple things. Uh, number one, be truthful. Be truthful. Anchor your encouragement in truth. It's not going to do them a bit of good for you to say, you know what, you think there's trouble, but there's really not trouble. Really? Really? Be truthful. Anchor your encouragement in truth. Be patient. Don't challenge once and then kick them in the butt. Can I say butt? No, okay. I didn't say that. Don't just challenge them once and then get frustrated. Be patient with them. Don't just stand at a distance and yell, get better, get better, get better. That won't work. You know, it's not, it's not like the old Bob Newhart videos where he's, his counseling method is just, these are all the things you're doing wrong. Stop. <laughs> it's not that simple. Be patient with people and help them move forward. Number three, be careful. Be careful. Encouragers, especially those of you who are really good at encouraging, sometimes encourage too much. Sometimes you get excessive. The goal is to get them up walking again. The goal is not for you to carry them forever. So be careful. The Good Samaritan met the need and then moved on. Now, he checks back later, but he, he gives them to somebody else. Periodic departure. Remember that. Remember that phrase. Periodic departure will help you stay healthy as a helper. Give the person to someone else for a time. Now, 15 minutes is probably not enough time. 15 minutes is probably not enough time to engage or disengage. So understand what I mean. Help people for a season, and then let somebody else help them for a season if they're not in the place that they need to be. You are not Jesus. He never leaves. He never leaves. But sometimes you need to leave. Dick and Ricky Hoyt, our father and son team, who ran marathons and Ironmans together. Uh, Dick, the father, is 80 years old now, I think, and, and his son is probably 60. Uh, but his son was born with cerebral palsy, and, and uh, they started in 1977. And as of 2016, they had competed in 1,130 endurance events including 72 marathons, six Ironman triathlons. They had run the Boston Marathon 32 times. Yeah. So Rick has cerebral palsy, and Dick, his father, pulls his son in a special boat when they swim, carries him in a special seat in front of his bicycle, and pushes him in a wheelchair when they run. You and I need to understand that there is only one 
runner in this race who is not handicapped. His name is Jesus. And he will carry you. He will. He will run with you. He will carry you. He will never let you out of his arms. Never. All of us will have times when we're wounded. All of us will have times when we're hurt. All of us will have times when we stumble and fall. He will be with us in all of those times. But he will also use those times, if we let him, to bring us together, to make us one, to teach us how to be a family. You don't learn how to be a family by looking back over your shoulder and going, wow, too bad, they fell. You learn to be a family by stopping, turning around, and going back, and sacrificing your race to help them finish theirs. That is the church. It's the body of Christ. It's what we are to be for each other. Now let's pray. Jesus, help us to be more like you. Help us to be more like you as we serve, as we serve you and serve alongside each other. In Jesus' name, amen. Uh, Mike's going to come up now, and and as he comes, I just want to say that there are people in this room not only who are a part of those who need to stop and go back, there are people in this room who are waiting for someone to stop and come back to them. So we, we have both the wounded and the, and the healers in this room, and, and we need each other. All right, Mike.